Welcome back, everybody, to the Nosebleed Sports Podcast. I am Chris Witt, and with me, as always, is Mr. Adam Schmidt. Adam, before I disappear off the face of the earth, how are you today, sir? Oh, that just made me laugh, so I'm good now. <laughs> how are you? Oh, man, I'm hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit. That <laughs> uh, old gem. Oh, that's a good one. So, Adam, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful week in our Reds country. We've got the Reds who are four, are they four and one? Four and mm-hmm. one right now. They lost on opening day. It's freezing cold. Castillo gets to uh, come back and show his stuff here. Um, but the Reds are in first place. We just had a national cha- champion crowned in college basketball. The final four was um, had two out of three really good games between the final four and the championship game. Actually, I take that back. Maybe there was only really yeah. one good game. Anyway, sounds like a good day to do a podcast. Plus, we've got cheesy snacks to talk about. We've got Joel McHale uh, to talk about. So uh, I'm pretty excited about today, buddy. Me too. I am too. I, I think we can get right into it. And, Let's do it. Uh, so, so I'm I, I, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but we want to start with, because we love the people that uh, listen to this podcast and support us. Um, so we did for the NCAA tournament. Now that it is complete, we have the winners of the nosebleeds sports podcast t-shirts, which were the top yes, five, right? The top five that were not you and I, correct? That's correct. Yep. Uh, there was thousands and thousands of people that entered this. So congratulations to the top five. Do you have the list? I do have the list and let me correct Let's you and me, you and me. It should have been, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I said you and I, it should have been you and me. Well, okay. The, uh, the top five. So, uh, first up is Jason Myers. The only other guy, um, who picked Baylor to win. Before we go through this, can I just say, first off, I was in first place in this all the way until the last game. Yeah. Adam Schmidt, congratulations on winning the second ever Nosebleed Sports Podcast Bracket Challenge. Thank you very much. It feels good to see your name at the top. You were talking about that last week. Uh, So it's cool that we both got to experience that through this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is this is about our listeners. And so Jason Myers uh, ended up in in second place, technically first place for the uh, shirt. Tony Edwards. Our guy, Tony Edwards, our cousin. Uh, Finally gets a shirt. Good for you, Tony. We're happy for, we're happy for you. Uh, Eric Stidham. Uh, got, you, got, got my little, got my little man hooked up over there. He's probably, he wears a, uh, I would, I'm going to say he probably wears like a XL X short, extra short, extra short, extra large. Be my guess. Extra short, extra large. Okay. Um, and then you had, uh, and then you were there, and then Dylan Myers, Dylan Myers, younger then, uh, younger son of of aforementioned Jason Myers. Congratulations! All righty, and then uh, last but certainly not least, our good friend Joe Leonard. Big fan of the show. Appreciate you guys. Uh, can't wait to get these shirts out to to everybody. Um, it was a good little it was a good little run out of the thousands of people. I feel like we knew every one of them. Absolutely. Yep. 
Yeah, right. that was that was yeah. So yeah, very impressive, like you said, out of thousands uh, who joined the pool. Those were the guys that uh, that came up and get the shirts. So we will get those right out to you. Uh, ETA, ETA about this time, 2023. No, so as as no, the shirts are coming out. The shirts will be <laughs> here. I'm, I'm promising the shirts. I'm, just I'm promising kidding. the shirts this year. <laughs> um, okay, so congratulations to those people. And congratulations to the Baylor Bears, right? Uh, the... We talked for we talked most of the year really about it seemed to be two teams that were head and shoulders above everybody else, and it was Gonzaga and it was Baylor. And you hardly ever get to see the two the two teams that look like the two best teams all year long entering the tournament end up in the finals against each other. You hardly ever see that, right? Mm -hmm. And we got to see it this year, which was very exciting because it, it's it just feels like you got to see the team, you know, the, the best team won like you always kind of want, right? You might be a fan of a team and they might be a five or six seed or something and you want them to upset everybody and have an incredible run and win the championship and that's great. But if you, you know, usually that's, they're not really the best team in the big picture. You know, the tournament is part of it. Why it's so fun is because a team that didn't, a team like UCLA, it was pretty good throughout the season, had some bumps in the road, and then were, were bad at the end of the year and barely deserved to make, make the tournament at all, went all the way and, and played and, and probably deserved to play in the national championship game. I mean, the, they played, they gave Gonzaga the best game that they saw all year long until the championship game. So that, that UCLA-Gonzaga game, was people all right away started calling it one of the best college basketball games ever or the best tournament games ever. Um, and it, it was, was right there. It was right there with it. And the thing that stinks about it is that shot that the kid from Gonzaga made will go down in infamy with many, many other shots that team from buzzer beaters in the NCAA tournament. But if you don't go on and win the big one, then that shot disappears. It all but disappears. People are, will remember it for a while, and it'll be remembered as a great game. But that shot is nothing in the long run because Gonzaga got whooped by this Baylor Bears team. This Baylor team, uh, the 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 point guard, he looked like Kyrie Irving out there shaking and baking and moving around with his stutter step going back and then going to the basket. The, that, the, the defense, you could tell that that Gonzaga team had never played against a team with that kind of length, with that kind of athleticism. They were as athletic as Gonzaga. They were as, they were stronger than Gonzaga. I believe it was, uh, was it, was it Kenny, Kenny, uh, uh, Kenny Smith at the end said something like, so we found out that Baylor's got a got a got a uh, weight room on campus, <laughs> but they're just they move so fast. They were always in front of Gonzaga on defense. Um, they with Jason uh, Jason Williams today said it, there were guys who who you know 
they don't get stuck in screens. They, you can't screen them. They get through every single screen because they're tougher than you. And they wanted it more. And they came out, guns blazing, could not miss a shot. I mean, they played as good a game as you could ever play, and they played it on the biggest stage. So congratulations. Yeah, that really was the story, the way they played defense, um, the tenacity uh, that they played with on the defensive end and rebounded the ball. They re- out-rebounded Gonzaga by like 18 po- by like eighteen or something like that, and that's that's really impressive. Um and and yeah, it was it was it looked like it looked like toughness, and um, there there is a line there's a, a a line between toughness and playing really hard, and getting away with um, with playing that way. In that game, you're probably not going to get a lot of like you know, reach and reach and reaching fouls and things like that. And I think the the first part of the game, Baylor was just, they just worked so hard to stay in front of people. It's, it's what you want to see your team do all the time. And they just played so hard on the defensive end. They were really impressive. And then as they, you know, as the, the game went on and they, you know, maybe got a little bit more tired and stuff, they were still playing that hard, but they, you know, there was a lot of, pressuring the ball and um with that comes reaching and stuff and they called some fouls and everything i'm not saying that it was like poorly officiated but um they they i felt like they did get away with a lot of of you know hand slaps and and grabbing arms and stuff like that because they were playing that way until they until they were those fouls were called and they couldn't anymore and it never really got to that now they still did there's they're still you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from their defense. They still were. No, because the if, if, if the fouls were being called more, they probably would have slacked off. And I don't, still don't think they would have lost that game because they played so no. well on offense at the same time. Totally so, I, no, I mean, the like you said, in a, in a national championship game like that, the whistles are going to be swallowed a little bit more than normal. And you have to know that walking out on the court. So that means be a little bit more aggressive, right? Like get out there and be aggressive. And that's what they did. And I mean, take nothing away from them. I mean, whether, whether there was a couple of fouls that didn't get caught or not, they were the better team. And and that's where the weight room thing comes in. That's, you know, you can play that way and and be real physical. If you are allowed to play a physical game, that's where, you know, all the time in the weight room and and, and their whole team looks like that. Their whole team looks like they spend a lot of time in the weight room and they're Mm -hmm. they're They all look real strong. They don't have any frail guys or anything like that. They don't have any Adam Schmitz or anything like that on that team. (laughs) It's all, you know, everybody, even their scores, their offensive minded guys, if they even have any of those are also really tough defenders and big, strong guys. Um, and, and it was also cool to see uh, uh, some local flavor on that team. Macy Oteague from Walnut Hills High School here in Cincinnati. Um, he, he starts and plays big minutes for them. And, and it was cool to see somebody from here get a national championship. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, congratulations to Baylor. Uh, and, and you also mentioned that they shot like 60% from the three-point line in that first half. They couldn't miss. It was yeah. unbelievable. Um so, I mean, they just put together one of the best halves of basketball I've seen in a very long time in the first half and then really maintained it. I mean, they Gonzaga, he, right before the half, started getting some momentum back. 
and they got it down. I, they got down by as much as I think it was 19 or something like that. And then got it down to like nine. I want to say that might've been about as close as they got though. Cause they got, they, they had some momentum going the, the first part of the, uh, there were a couple possessions early in the second half where something happened. There was miscommunication. I'm sure it was just miscommunication or something on the defensive end for Baylor where guys drove the lane for Gonzaga and, and ended up getting a wide open layup where there was nobody near the rim. And that didn't happen at all in the first half. And then it, it tightened up after that again. Um, but right. they, you know, they, they got it back down because Gonzaga is too good a team to get blown out. Um, but I mean, they really kind of ended up getting blown out a little bit. So um, it, it was, I mean, they, even, even the, even when they made a run, Baylor answered and never let it get out of hand. Right. Yep. Never let it get out of hand. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I, I say, I, I just can't say anything except for great job for Baylor. What he's done in the last, you know, 10 years, 15 years, however long he's been there since the murder and everything else that, that went down out there. Um, you know, uh, coach Drew's done an amazing job and he brought, he, they've been really close a few times and here they are. Yeah. I think it was Oh three when he took over. So this is like 18 years that he's been there. It's wow. That's, it's a long time. You know, you don't see coaches stick around like that anymore. Uh, at nope. one place, usually um, speaking of that really quick, we weren't planning on this, but Roy Williams, legendary college basketball coach, retired, and uh, North Carolina hi hired Hubert Davis uh, yesterday. Which Old Indy awesome. coach, right? Wasn't he the coach of Indiana back in the uh, back in the day? Didn't he coach? That was the Mike Hoosiers? Davis. That was oh, Mike, Mike Davis. Davis. But oh. Hubert Davis played at North Carolina, lifelong North Carolina guy, um, has been an assistant coach uh, under Roy Williams for a little while. And uh, so he's taken over. I thought that was really cool to see a, a North Carolina cool. guy. Yep. And uh, hope all, hope all well for him. Hope the guy's a great recruiter because there's been a lot of great recruiters there for a few years, except for that Doherty kid who was there for a little while. Other than him, it's been that, that's been a tradition at that school. And hopefully he can continue that on. I'd love to see him sit in that seat for another 15 to 20 years. I agree. And I think he will be a good recruiter because he, he has the experience – coaching and he also has that reputation he played a long time in the nba and was a pretty good nba player um so he has that i mean you can go into you can go into a, almost any kid's house and say you know uh, here's my resume i know what it takes yeah and then and then bring in he'll probably keep the same staff that he had and then you know uh, plug in a guy or two or whatever as people leave but um, he has so many connections from playing, from coaching and playing in college and pro. He can bring in guys that are going to be really important to recruiting there. So I expect North Carolina to maintain their uh, and probably be better than the last couple of years because they struggled a little bit, um, although they did make the tournament. So I expect Hubert Davis to do a good job there. My one more thing, my last thing I wanted to ask you regarding the NCAA tournament. Okay. I would like to get your opinion. What does, what does one shining moment mean to you? Man, one shining moment used to be when I was younger, right? It was the biggest thing in the world to me. Like I would sit there, I stayed up and waited for it every night so I could watch it. And I would look for that, you know, that little clip that Xavier would be in, right? Because it was only just one clip and you get to the very end and, you know, I get teared. I used to get teared up all the time. Uh, it's still really cool, just the song and to see the 
the heartbreak and the, the, the highs and the lows of the entire tournament. It's really cool. I, I say I still – I didn't watch the one the other night because the game didn't start till 9.23, and I was exhausted. And by the time the blowout happened, once the game finally ended, I was basically asleep already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was like 1130 when that game got over. So yeah, that's what I, I was kind of wondering that. I remember seeing it uh, some of the time, sometimes growing up, but probably not really as much until I got, I, mean, I became an adult or at least old enough to stay up. Sure. Like high school or whatnot. Yeah. I mean, the game starts so late. That's part of what I was going to get at is, I, I mean, they, I mean, they really plug that thing. Like they really promote one shining moment at the end of the tournament. Like it's such a big mm-hmm. deal for a lot of people. And at one time, I think I, I was a lot more into it too, but I was just thinking about it the other day. And like, I realized that I missed it. Didn't even think about it after that Didn't game got over. It. And I, and, and so I watched it uh, earlier today and I thought, I, I mean, it's cool to have a package of highlights from throughout the tournament but the song kind of sucks and it's on so late like <laughs> one signing moment is, is such a that, 1980s song <laughs> it's not that the, the whole thing, it's not that great to me like i do not care about mm-hmm. one shining moment anymore at all yeah um so anyway i just i just to- i just i just don't, i just hate the whole fact that this tournament starts so late like my son is seven years old he goes to bed on a school night right he had to go to school today so you know, he goes to bed. We try to get him to bed at 830, but, you know, they're probably usually going to bed between falling asleep between 9 and 930. Sure. The game started at 930. Mm-hmm. He's never going to get a chance to watch that until he's in high school. Mm-hmm. I, that's not I, I mean, I, I don't understand that you're taking an entire generation of kids out of it. I mean, I know the West Coast kids will be able to see it. You know, good for them. That's one portion of kids that can see that over the entire country. You put the game at eight o'clock, at least he can watch some of it, right? I mean, I'm even okay with eight. At least maybe I'll let him stay up a little extra later that night and he can catch almost all of it. Or if it's a blowout, okay, go to bed. But if it's close, all right, let's see if we can get mom to let you stay up and watch the end of this, right? Maybe he stays up till 10. It's a little later, but it's not 1130. Mm-hmm. It's not 1130 at night. I mean, it's, I feel like that the big money of college basketball it sucks for kids and you wonder why all these kids do nothing but play video games all the time and do stuff like that. Because if they want to see basketball, the only way they can see it is through a video game (laughs) because they can't, you know, my son can't watch LeBron James play at night. It's his favorite basketball player, but he can't watch LeBron play because almost all his games start at 10 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, I, I I'm sure I've, complained enough throughout the years and i probably will continue to when there are late games on uh i don't know i mean i understand that you don't want to start games at four o'clock in the afternoon for the west coast people who are working or something but that's to me that's better than asking people to stay up until 11 30 midnight if you're talking about an nba west coast game like you were just talking about one o'clock in the morning sometimes It's like I said, I understand eight o'clock. What about eight o'clock? You know, that's five o'clock on the West Coast. By then you got people coming home and things are happening. At least they are, they have, at least they have an opportunity to watch it. Mm-hmm. Like my boy's got no opportunity to watch it. Mm-hmm. He will be asleep. Yep. 
uh, I guess thank God for DVR and all the recording devices and stuff now. But I mean, it's that's uh, not the same because that because yeah, that thing in your game. pocket is going to tell you everything that already happened. You know how hard it is for me when I miss a Xavier game. I have to send a text message out to everybody I know, and I have to turn my notifications off and say, "Hey, don't say anything to me. I want to go home and watch this game." Do you know how often I make it home to watch the game? I'll record probably five games away games a year. And one of those or two of those, I'll actually get to watch without knowing what happened. Yeah, I know. I think I've done that to you a couple of times, said something like, oh, man, too bad about the game or something like that. I'm like, oh, wait, shoot, you see it? (laughs) It is what it is, you know, it's not. But I don't I have no problem with that. Then, you know, if I didn't tell you to tell me, then that's my fault. Uh, I I don't care about spoilers. It's live TV, man. If you're not watching it, that's the thing. You're spoiled. yeah, if you miss a if you miss a sitcom or something like that, it's not as hard to go back and watch. You can you can do that whenever, um, but for a game, yeah, it, it's too hard. And, and it's you know two two and a half three hours or whatever whatever sport it is or whatever. And uh, it, that's hard to especially if you know or even if you don't know, you know what already happened, and you're like. Do I want to sit here for three hours and watch this thing, even though it happened yesterday? And the yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Anyway, I don't um, know. let's jump into uh, the next thing on our list of uh, topics here. And that is the Cincinnati Reds. You mentioned it up front. Off to an incredible start. I mean, you know, every, a lot of people were kind of doom and gloom, uh, after opening day, that was a really bad loss. It was like you yes. said, it was freezing cold. Uh, they lost, was it 12 to one, 12 to two, something like that. Um, and the next day though, number one, it warmed up. So we know now that this is a warm weather team. Yes, it um, is. <laughs> and they haven't lost since. So uh, fourth straight win, their offense looks like the opposite of what it did last year. They are scoring. Uh, they scored, I think, twelve yesterday and fourteen runs today. And no, it was five runs yesterday, twelve the day before. I want to say. Either way, they are hitting the heck out of the ball, and they're pitching well enough to to except for that opening day game. They're pitching really well as well, and they look good. They look. Really you know how good, good they look. You know how good they look. They look as good as a. 400 foot home run by Nick Castellanos. That's how good they look. Uh, and it just makes me want to admire every piece of this team. Admire. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's just get into that. All right. We had the first, so in, in baseball, the first instance of benches leaving uh, the dugout and, uh, joining together on the field and uh, i'm trying to think of a clever way to say this the bench is cleared they got into a a scuffle the other day with the st louis cardinals who the reds have sort of a history with i mean it's been a long time since they really had a problem with them there they've more recently had issues with the pirates um but going back to 2010 most reds fans uh, you know still have that pretty vivid memory of the fight uh in 2010 from when they when Mm -hmm. they got into it and uh, this time it was uh, it was a different situation than last time, but this time was like you mentioned, Nick Castellanos, who's one of the hottest hitters in baseball, coming out of the gate for sure. And he had he's continuing that from spring. He's been 
since they got to spring training, basically, he has been hitting the cover off the ball. He's looked incredible and uh, love to see him take it, bringing that into uh, the start of the regular season. So he hit one on opening day. He hit one. Was it the next day or the? Oh, it was was two days later, but it was the next game. I mean, there was a day in between. But, yeah, it was the very next game. It was the next game. He, He he, He hit his first one, and then he got hit. He hit his first one in the first game later in the game yes. when the reds were trying to crawl back and good. And I'm going to tell you right now, one thing you should take from opening day is that even when the reds are down, they crawled, they tried, they crawled and they scrounged, scrounged for every run they could get. And he hit a bomb and he wanted to get his team going. So he turned around, he thrown over, throws his bat over there. He starts yelling at his team, trying to get him pumped up. Next game, he gets hit. I'll let you take it back over. Right. No, um, he did. So he he got – this is the fourth inning, all right? Um, he gets hit in the fourth inning. As a matter of fact, I don't – it was was the second or third pitch into the at-bat or something like that. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, okay. So do you think – let's start there. Do you think he was hit on purpose? I don't think he was hit on purpose. Um, could have been hit on purpose because of the way he looked at his home run. I mean, listen, this dude pimps home runs, right? He's he's a uh, Dietrich all over again. Mm-hmm. He's gonna he's pimping home runs when he hits them. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like it, there there are pitchers that if they don't like it, they're gonna throw at you. And he took he uh, you know for for a moment took took offense to it, uh, and you know he he. Uh, Calm down. We'll say he calmed down. Yadier Molina told him, "Hey, listen, it wasn't it wasn't on purpose." So he took it as it wasn't on purpose, just like he said in his interview. Yadi told Yadi said it wasn't on purpose, so I took it that it wasn't on purpose. So he picked the ball up, offered it back to the pitcher. I thought that was pretty nice. He said, uh, "I believe his exact words were, you know, sometimes pitchers get in a groove and they, you know, they want to keep that same ball going." So I just figured I'd ask him if he wanted the ball back. Hey, listen, it is what it is. You hit him, right? You know, at that point in time. I don't think he did it. I mean, he he probably did it in a way of trying to show him up. Sure. Okay, that's what I, but, that's what I wanted. To, I wanted hold to on, hold on. But 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 he didn't he didn't say any words. He did all he did was offered baseball. Do you want the ball? That's all he said. So you can take it as showing up. You can take it as not. Just like if he got hit, did he get hit on purpose? Did he not? Yeah. It's all up for speculation at that point in time. Both sides of that, I believe, are up for speculation. I I see it one way. Somebody else may not. But that's not where it all went down. So go ahead and continue on with the end. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that was part of it. That could be – all of those things could be in pieces to what we're leading up to here. So he gets on base. Everybody on this team is hitting right now almost except for Joey Botto. And – so they hey, Suarez. So hey, Eugenio Suarez. So anyway, Castellanos comes around. Um, and I, I want to say might have been Mustakis that uh, knocked him in. Or no, I'm sorry, I think Mustakis might have been hitting. There was a wild pitch mm-hmm. and which which missed like as badly as the one missed that hit him on the same side of the plate. It missed like three feet off the plate. I mean, it was 
awful. This kid was yeah. having trouble. So um, it got away from Molina. So wait, are you saying that you you believe that that sometimes uh, major league pitchers do miss by that much? Yeah, usually. Oh, okay, all right. I was just checking. Okay, yeah, I think thanks. we've had this argument in the past too. So thanks for checking. We'll thanks go for checking. We can and, we can go back. We can go back. I want to go back and uh, double check what you thought last good. time we had this argument. Okay, good. Go ahead. Because because it's not that hard usually to figure out when a guy is missing that bad because he's having control trouble and when he's not. Anyway. Okay. He was having control okay. trouble clearly here. Uh, I like, I like, this is a lot like every other, every other person who comes up with stats to prove their point. They don't look at any other stats. They just want so? the stats that prove their point. But anyway, continue. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> I do. I do. Okay. That's fine. Okay. Um, so it gets away from Molina. Molina goes over pitcher, Jake Woodford. Uh, he's only in his second year. Uh, this is like the 13th game he's ever appeared in. Is that, is that, does that have any merit to this story? Not, not really. Because that's except, the third time I've heard somebody say that. Well, except for I, I kind of noticed that he, when when everything happened, he looked a little bit. He looked up at Castellanos, like he was a little bit unsure of what to do. You know what I mean? Like he was almost a little bit. I don't. I don't know if it was intimidated. But just, just like unsure of, of what to do, like he hadn't been in that situation before, and he, I, I'm sure he hasn't been because it was only the 14th game he's ever pitched in. But it's not the 14th game that guy's ever pitched in. He's pitched in, in hundreds in Major League Baseball. Major of League. very, very highly competitive games. I just want that sure. to be known. It's not like this dude is some rando coming off the street. Everybody keeps saying just because well, you know, he's so young. He really, he doesn't even know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, he okay. does. He's been pitching for a very long time and knows all that. Well, he's 24, not a very long time, but anyway. Long enough. Okay. So just forget about that part. So anyway, pitcher covers. They meet basically at the same time. Castellano slides head first, gets his hand in. Great slide. Molina kind of shuffles the ball over to Woodford as he's covering. Now, Woodford – that's where I kind of – I wondered if there was any sort of rule that I haven't heard anybody talk about yet, so probably not. But um, there are rules now about catchers blocking the plate. Mm-hmm. I wonder if what happened there could possibly be looked at for something like that. So he slid no, – No, he was diving to make the tag. Catcher blocking a plate is blocking the plate before he has the ball. So that's before he has the ball. He was sliding in there. As the ball was coming in, so no, has so it's specifically no... about blocking the plate before before the ball gets. Okay, I got you. Yes. Um. So anyway, he does. He slides basically slides across the plate the same time Castellanos does, and pretty uh, pretty recklessly. But I guess you know he's trying to make a play. Um. But with his and with his knees first, which is uh, is better than spikes first. So certainly, but at the same time, his knees like collide with. Castellanos's body and kind of ends up like kind of into him and on top of him a little bit for a second. And then they, and then he rolls off. And then Castellanos jumps up, flexes over top of him. One of the greatest pictures you'll ever see in your life after being hit more than likely he felt like on purpose jumps up, flexes in the boy's face is so excited at the fact that they just rallied up and got another run and then goes into his dugout. 
And well, he doesn't go to his dugout because then the whole bench is clear and everybody was crazy. <laughs> Nobody went in the dugout. They all came out of the dugout. So let's hear what you think about it, bud. So we, we both know how, how we stand on this without even talking about it in the first place. And we always let's do this. Happens, I want to do this. I want to do this. I don't even want to talk about this. I want to talk about something different. Okay. All right, because this is an argument. This isn't even an argument because, I mean, yeah, Castiano, Castianos probably should have gotten. In, you know, something should have happened. I'm not saying it, a three-game suspension. No, absolutely not. If that's the case, then any time, whatever, two game, either way, any game suspension should never happen for what he did. He didn't cause harm to anybody. He didn't do anything uh, that deserved a suspension. You want to find the guy, whatever, find him. If, if that's what Major League Baseball wants to do. But in 2000, starting in 2018, Major League Baseball came out with a, with a let the kids play campaign for their postseason. And if you've ever seen the commercials, it's nothing but bomb, people hitting bombs, throwing the bats around, getting excited, jumping around. But at the very end of the very first commercial, they show Ken Griffey Jr., who's an old man now at that point in time. And he just turns around and he says, let the kids play. 2019 postseason, they got Mike Trout, George Springer, and all, all you know, uh, uh, John Carlos Stanton and um, Aaron Judge and, and and Ronald Acuna Jr. and they're all just they start off with normal um, interview speech, right, where they're just answering questions very properly, and then all of a sudden they start running their mouths. So, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. We're going to be this. We're the best. We're this. And then they come back, and at the very end, it comes up again. They look at Mike Trout, and they say, what do, you, what do you think about it all? And he said, let the kids play. So Major League Baseball is pumping this out, okay? Pumping it out. Let the kids play. Let the kids play. That was from three years ago, right? Two or three years ago? 2018, 2019. 2020 doesn't really count because that was a crazy year. So still outside of what – Whatever it's, they've still that's still a thing, right? For okay, so you want to say that they're done with that? You think that Major League Baseball is done with that campaign? You think they're done well, they, they feeling don't do that, that way? Specific campaign, but that's they they kicked that off because people started saying that. I, I don't so even think that deal. was something they invented. I think people. No, started, I don't think they did either. Yeah. That's that's not the point. The point is, and you. then you're going to find him when you do. So now you have a guy who's showing emotion, who's getting excited, who's who's doing things to. That, that little kids are seeing and getting kids to be excited about. What do they do? MLB put that on their Twitter account. The next day, Castellanos hits a home run, throws his bat towards the dugout again, jumping up and down, going crazy. And they put that on, his, on their Twitter account. Something uh, good about Nick Castellanos when they just find, just tried to suspend him. This is, this is what annoys me. Figure it out. Because you can't suspend these guys for causing a benches clearing incident when you're wanting them to do that kind of thing. You can't promote them doing these things and then turn around and suspend them for doing it. My personal take. I don't, I don't disagree with that part of it. Um, I was surprised that he got now he first of all he got ejected from the game. What do you think about that decision? I don't I don't care if he got ejected. I mean what he did to the guy was showing him up. It was total showboat. And it was it, you know, the emotions got a hold of him, right? Emotions got a hold of him. Yeah. 
Should he have got ejected? Probably not. Is that a big deal that he did? No, you got to do something in that. When the bench is clear, you got to do something, right? So there you go. So they, I mean, I mean, not, you don't have to do something, but a lot of times something's done. So he gets ejected. No problem. You want to fine him? Whatever. Fine him. You know, $16 million guy. He'll be all right. But to suspend him? And then when he, when he disputes the suspension, the next night he does the same thing, hits a home run and showboats it, and you put it on your Twitter account, Major League Baseball's Twitter account, pumping it up? It's, 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 it doesn't make any sense. And Major League Baseball has got to figure this out. And they've got to get with their umpires, and they've got to get with their players, and they've got to get with their marketing team. And they got to figure it out because if they keep doing bull crap like this, it's going to turn. They think they've already lost the generation. They're going to lose the generation after that too. I agree 100% with you, with your point that they need to get a hold of this and figure out what they, what direction they want to go with it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I definitely know the direction I think they should go. And I know Everybody says, first of all, let the kids play is the stupidest thing. I, I think that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard um, a, a campaign for, for and for people to say. It's just like one of those it's one of those things. It's like a, a just such a such a lazy blanket statement. I think I've said this before on this podcast, but like such a lazy blanket statement to apologize for things that people do. Uh, and, and I think there's a huge difference between what he did when he hit his home run the day after that and what he did at home plate after that play. Now, let me start. I agree with that too. I agree with that too. That's fine. I agree with that. And and let me say why that is, that is part of the reason why it all went down. If you believe that he got hit because of the way he acted in his home run the day before the game before, and they were waiting for a situation where it wasn't a big deal to hit him. Nobody on two outs. That's the situation to hit a guy right there. That's when you want to hit him and nobody's on two outs. You want to hit a guy, go ahead and hit him. So, you know, they were waiting for the, to, for the, for the right situation. They got him. That's the, the way of the law. And if you're the guy who got hit, you're going to be a little irritated. You come around and score, you get a little pumped up, right? If you want to say there's something wrong with that, I understand that. But the reason it all happened is because of what he hit when he hit the home run the day before, which is something you're telling all your ki- all these players you're okay with them doing. And then he gets hit, comes around, scores, and this happens. Okay. Well, I, I don't think most people are thinking that he got hit on purpose because of what happened. I, people have you don't? I feel like that's been the the narrative this entire time. I feel like every article I've read before they start talking about it, it all, it all prefaces with the home run and the way he skipped down the line the day before. I feel like every article I've read has been about that. It it, it mentions it, but I I don't think anybody has really, I don't think any of the reds think that he got hit on purpose because he did that because he skipped down the line the day before. 100% disagree with you. And, okay, so I, 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 so I, I think what he, what he did to stand over him, stare at him, scream. I, while I think he needs to, he should not have done that. Um, I also, I, I, 
I understand in that moment with the adrenaline that was going on, I, I totally Absolutely. understand why he did that. Um, mm. and, and I think it got away from him. I don't think, I, I hope now he, he does seem like a guy that, that is fine with anything that happens because he's doing something. And I don't think he, I don't think his skip the day before down the line. I mean, I would love to see a guy hit a home run 425 feet and run the bases. I, I would like, I, I would like to see that. Um, but I, I don't think he did anything wrong uh, in that home run the day before or the day after either when he, now everybody's calling, throwing your bat toward the dugout, a bat flip. So, because everybody wants to see them. So, and he did, I mean, he, he, this, the day after he grabbed it from the other end, from the barrel end and kind of flipped it, but it's not, he's not standing there posing for a long time. He's not flipping the bat, like over his head, like, you know, onto the field or anything. He, he hasn't really done anything that I think is like so outrageous. It's infuriating and it, everybody should be up in arms. I don't think you're coming around. You are coming around. I'm, I'm, I'm actually three years going... ago, three years ago. If, if we had a player on our, on the reds that, that did exactly what he did, you would be furious about that. You know, and you're telling me right now, you're not that upset about it. You're probably, you're probably right about that. Um, you're coming around buddy. Well, with, with that only because I'm, I'm being conditioned like everybody else to see like that just happens all the time, like every single day in baseball that happens. So now it's, you know, now I have some context, like I've seen way, 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 way worse than that a million times now. So now it doesn't seem as bad. Um, and, and his inciting a problem on the field by doing that is absolutely what it did. And I, if I was the Cardinals, here's the thing. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm a Reds, so every Reds fan, the thing that infuriates me second most about the whole thing is the way Reds fans have reacted to this whole thing. So they are pumping up the standing over the guy flexing and screaming while, while staring at him, they're pumping that up as that's what we need here. That's he's he, Nick Castellanos is Jesus Christ, our Lord and savior. And that is like, this is, this is, this is why I'm pumped up about the Reds. This is everything great about the Reds. That's what I'm hearing. I probably spend too much time on Twitter, but that's where I go for my sports news most of the time. You're in and, trouble and, there. And, and yeah, and, and people people are the worst versions of themselves sometimes on that on that website. So I it's I've had a really hard time seeing other Reds fans pump that behavior up because that's different than like I said, than than you know, skipping down the line or kind of like shuffling down the line as you look into your own dugout and get pumped up and yell and stuff. That's totally different. Um, you are, if you're showing up, if you're showing a guy up and you're taunting a guy and, and that kind of thing, like that's, I, I hate that people that also love my team want that to be the case. They want to see. Sure, yeah, I understand. Like that. I, I totally understand that. That's that. Yeah. You don't, you, the standing over the guy, flexing i like to think though that it's not the showing up of the other team it's the standing up for yourself that is what the reds fans are are loving like with the puig 
and with the with the Garrett picture. And it's it's you know don't we're we're the little lowly Reds, the small market Cincinnati Reds. Mm-hmm. So you know we get walked all over by certain by all these teams, and then all these you know these bigger badder teams with more money and do this that the other. That we're going to stand up for ourselves. And you got to be that, then that I believe is what these people are pumping up more than, more than, you know, the, more than the, it's, it's more the Reds over the Cardinals. It's more, you know, uh, just standing up for yourself. I believe. Um, I, you're probably right in some cases. I, it's not the feeling that I get while I'm reading people's, posts about that um but it's i I hope you're right um i my (laughs) i was excited to talk about this as soon as it happened because you and i have this debate and we're on opposite ends usually um and that's kind of fun but today it made me i i just like changed my it, it totally changed my outlook on having this conversation because it's gotten to the point where I'm, and, and I think sometimes we both, when we're doing this, we both kind of push a little bit further sure. into what we're, we're defending just to, just for the sake of having fun with it, with each other. Um, but it's, it's, it got to me so much today that I, I got to like this level of disappointment and almost anger that, I, I had to just like, I couldn't go any higher with it. I had, I it just, I just dropped off and I got depressed about well, it. Well, I apologize. I apologize. Cause we talked nothing. earlier today and I said, I'm excited about talking about it, but I wasn't excited about talking about it because of that. that. And I feel like I made you go and do extra research on it. No. And if that's the case, I apologize. Cause my whole point has nothing to do with the brawl with Castellanos or anything in general. My, what I want to talk about in this, And the thing that bugs me the most is Major League Baseball's decision-making in this process. That's where I'm at. I, so, so regarding that, I was surprised. I I thought I was totally fine with him getting ejected because he was the reason that whole thing started. Um, The suspension surprised me. I didn't think it really warranted that, except I think and I, and I didn't hear officially from Major League Baseball that this was the reason. I don't know if they would say it or not, but I know this was the case last year and a few, a few times in, in games. When that happens with the COVID stuff, I, I think they're, they're buckling down a lot more on the benches clearing stuff and the big groups in the middle of the field. No, uh, no, 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 no. Don't, don't give me that. Don't, don't even – I do not want to hear – that one of the, that that's a big thing about the benches clearing and the COVID stuff that last year, Turner, the, the Dodgers won the world series. They had to take a guy off the field because he tested positive for COVID and he walked out there with no mask on and celebrated with his team after he tested positive for COVID-19 and got nothing zero. So I don't want to hear that major league baseball's, got something where they want to approve how they feel about COVID because that's bull crap. So you don't, you don't think there's, you don't think there's any, <laughs> you think because of that incident with, no, Turner, I'm set, what, with I'm, that he, what I'm that telling you is that, I don't want I, that major league baseball can't use that as an excuse. 
to find to 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 suspend him because I don't think they believe in it as much as I think I don't think they believe in it as much as they want you to believe or else Justin Turner would have gotten suspended for the first three games of this season for what for coming out on that field after they won a World Series. Okay. And and I, I didn't have an issue with it when it happened. I said it on this podcast. I didn't have an issue with it. I'm just telling you that I don't want, but because of that, Major League Baseball can't come out and be like, well, we, anybody, anytime there's a benches clearing brawl because of COVID, we have, we're going to suspend somebody for three games. Okay. Because people are too close because of COVID. You literally knew a guy had COVID and let him go back out on the field. But they didn't. He was told not to, and he went out anyway. He did that on his own, and there was exactly. nothing to, they couldn't. All right. So yes, there is something you can do. You can suspend, suspend him for three games. And here's the thing, and and maybe they should have, but that doesn't mean that you can forever not use that. They 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 made a mistake by not suspending him. That doesn't give them that that doesn't give anybody the freedom to just it to just ignore any protocols forever. That doesn't get that doesn't give anybody excuse. No, I totally I agree with that. But you had this is the fourth game of the season. If if you've been thinking about this, where we just had the fifth game of the season, this happened on the second game of the season. If you if that was something in your head, you had plenty of time. You had an entire offseason, an entire spring training to do something to Justin Turner. I just I just don't feel I feel like with this COVID stuff, I feel like a lot of times corporations are going to are using it. Uh, I'm not saying that they don't believe in it or anything like that. What I'm saying is I think that if they find a, if something happens and they're like, Oh, I want to suspend him for, for doing what he did. They'll just throw that in there as just a little something extra. And, and I think that's, if, if that's the case, then every time the bench is clear, every one of those people, if that's, if that's the case, then they should make it even stronger thing to where if you are on the bench and you leave the bench then you're suspended and it's that's it right that's it zero like in basketball point blank exactly it's exactly right if they really felt that strongly about it that's what they would do and that's what they should do and you want to see what would happen guarantee those benches wouldn't have cleared yeah i I totally agree with that i agree um but i just don't think i i i'm and i'm not like i said i i started the whole thing by saying i haven't heard anything from major league baseball saying that but to as as a as a reason possibly that he got suspended that could be an addition and i think it would be i think it would be legitimate but i i understand and i agree that they need to say something about that then it can't yeah, be a, i don't want to hear it, like wanna... the, it can't be like the nfl where the same the same thing gets suspended t- 200 different ways right exactly it's exactly right so but but say something and if and if that's the case then, then that's fine. And I agree with that. And I think like, I think we both just said, then do that, then, then make sure you do that. So, and I got no problem with that. Yeah, I think you should. You want to make it stop even with, with, or without COVID, you want to stop benches, clearing brawls. That's it. Yeah. That's how you do it. Right. Yep. I agree. And that's, yeah, I, I, that's something. How many times have you seen a malice in the palace since the malice in the palace? Yeah, thousands. Oh, you mean actually happened to somebody yeah, else? Yeah, how many times has oh, that yeah. happened since then? Nobody's gone into the to the stands or anything like that. Yeah, or even even big brawls on the court. You don't see that because yeah. if you come off the bench in in basketball, you're suspended. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Um, so, for, first of all, 
your apology a couple minutes ago, I don't accept because you don't owe me one because it had nothing to do with you. Um, I got oh, wow. my, my, uh, <laughs> my level of frustration and being upset about all of this got to was sent over the top. So it, it got worse when I was seeing how every, how Reds fans have reacted and taken this and made it a good thing the way that he reacted. So I didn't, I, I really didn't like that. But then what put it over the top today was something that I'm going to bring up right now and play for you. And a, a guy we've talked about, I want to, I want to keep giving him another chance. Every time I hear the guy say something or do something, I, I want to be like, okay, there's another thing. Uh, the, 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 the 50th thing now <clears throat> that I've seen from this guy that I'm like, I, he's, he's a good player pretty good player he's not hall of fame like he thinks he is already but he in, in is it trevor bauer is it trevor bauer no, it's not oh. and i saw the stuff that he said too and trevor bauer is a goofball and and trevor bauer is just against major league baseball so he's going yeah, to absolutely. find a way to go against major league baseball. absolutely uh but this guy um I'm having a I'm 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 having more and more of a problem, especially the everything I've seen from him today. Everything I've seen from him this offseason and in the last couple weeks, and especially today. And this is Mr. Amir Garrett, and this is what he said. I'm hoping this works. The energy he's bringing, oh my gosh, it's it's it's, it's a domino effect. It's, we're gonna everybody's gonna feed into it. I want everybody to think that Cincinnati Reds is like the most cockiest team ever. We're some Bat flipping, showboating, son of a guns, and I want everybody to know that. All right, so so you understand where he's you. I know you don't like that, and that's fine. You don't have to like that. There's a lot of people that don't like that, but the whole point of what he's saying is the energy. Is this team is up? If you have a team that's just walking around, going through the motions they're going to be a bad team. When you have a team that plays with that kind of enthusiasm on an everyday basis, absolutely, that is a fun team to watch. Yeah. Yep. And I agree with that. But say it way better. And that's not what he's – he. If he he's saying how old is Amir Garrett? Twenty four years old, twenty five years old. I mean, come on, man. Sometimes these kids can't say things better. No, don't don't call him a kid like he's twelve years old. He's an adult. He's been in this league for three years or whatever it's been. He knows what he's talking about. He is he is this kind of person. I mean, he showed that last year with the with the Pirates fight, and he he wanted to fight. He went into that game wanting to fight no matter what. We know that. He ran over to their dugout and fought their whole dugout by himself until Yasiel Puig, the other guy on the team then that wanted to fight, uh, came over and everybody else did too. So um this guy just keeps talking about <laughs> keeps keeps saying things like this and to say specifically i want everybody to think the reds are the cockiest team ever chris i'm i'm having a hard time not cursing on this podcast right now i'm i'm so <laughs> enraged um i i <laughs> to say that and to say we're bat flipping and showboating and then he comes in his first action yesterday Right. Yeah. yeah yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Gives up a home it, run, gives up a base it, hit and then strikes a guy out and does the rock the baby thing. OK. Came in and gave up a run, <laughs> pitched for one inning, came in, gave up a run. 
<laughs> and then is rocking the baby when he strikes a guy out. Okay. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. I love the energy that he's talking about Castellanos bringing to the team. I think that is as important of a thing for this team as there is. There's a fine line between confident and cocky. And if someone thinks you're cocky, but you're confident, that's, I, I'm going to, I'm going to put words in his mouth and I'm going to say, that's what he's saying. He doesn't care what they think. He wants them to think that they're cocky because this team's so confident. Okay. I'm going to put words in his mouth because I'm sure it's not what he really meant, but that's what I'm saying. What I hate more than anything in the world is someone who does exactly what you just said, comes into a game, gives up a run, gives up a hit, strikes a guy out, and then starts acting like he's the greatest thing to ever walk the face of the earth. You should have your head down, walk into the dugout, and be happy you made it out of that inning. You strike out the side, nobody touches the pitch. You do whatever you want as you walk off because you are the most dominant person on that field at that moment in time. And yell and pump your fist and be really excited and do cartwheels off the field. But do that walking off the field, looking at your team. There's a right yes. way and a wrong way to do all this. Exactly. And he does it Castellan the wrong freaking way. I'm and Castellanos does it. Castellanos always does it towards his dugout. He does everything. He's looking at his dugout. Except for the other he's day. Getting, he's getting, well, except for when he flexed over him. But I'm saying right. every home run he hits, he's always looking at his dugout, pumping his dugout up. That's the energy he's talking about. I'm not saying that Amir's got the right energy going, but I'm saying that Castiano, Castiano's energy, I'm good with. For the most part. Yep. For the most part, I agree. Um, but that's the thing is, is these comments from, from Amir Garrett and the things that he's doing on the mound and staring guys down and talking to him after he pitches to him. It's that kind of stuff that Reds fans are loving. And that's the kind of garbage that I hate. I think yeah. that's the wrong, that's the wrong energy. That's the, the difference between right and wrong. You, there's no, there be, be a great player and be humble at the same time, have some integrity, be classy. You don't have to, you can be, have great energy and be super positive and, and just be like a, a gem to your team. Be, be like the most enthusiastic guy in the league and and you ne and the and another team never ever has a problem with it. That's not mm -hmm. the case with Amir Garrett. That wasn't the case the other day when when Nick Castellanos lost his mind for a second. Do it the right way. Like I said, sometimes adrenaline's going to get the best of you. Sometimes, but you know that's going to happen. It's your job also to get a hold of that. All right, you've got to have some level of self control even in the most intense times. Because And it's easier for some people than it is for others. But if it's not easy for you, if you're a young guy and you're brash and cocky just as a part of your personality, you're going to cause problems for your teammates. Guys are going to get tired of having to come out and defend Amir Garrett all season long. It's going to happen, I'm telling you. Um, and, and to say those words, to say, great, bring the energy, that's fine, but we want to be we want to be known as cocky and showboaters. That's that is stupid garbage that Reds fans. I, I the ones that I'm seeing on Twitter, unfortunately, and I'm gonna I, I got to stop worrying about that. But I totally agree with that part. But, yeah, stop worrying about that. But it's but it's it it is a large like if if you go tomorrow to the game, Amir Garrett comes in, he's getting a standing ovation from everybody there, and for the wrong reasons. Reds fans are eating this stuff up for the wrong reasons. And it makes me 
I, I, we, we come, we, we talked about not have, not being able to see Reds games and I haven't seen one Reds game yet this year, except for opening day. Cause it was on the, the uh, MLB. Yeah. Or it was on CBS or whatever. But um, I, I like, I thought today I've been bummed for the last three days that I haven't been able to watch Reds baseball today. After seeing that, I'm like, I don't even know if I care. I don't even know if I care to watch. I don't want to watch him pitch. Because his antics and his mind is going to be he's going to he's going to make poor decisions on the mound uh, as far as making bad pitches at some point or a bad pitch at some point this this uh, this season, because he's so worried about getting in somebody else's head that he's in his own head about that. Yep. Here's what's going to happen. Somebody's going to hit a walk off home run or walk off hit. And they're going to cradle the baby against the Reds as they as they round the bases to Amir Garrett. And he better not say a word. He you know what's going to happen? He's going to go try to fight the guy. And that is the stuff that I can't stand. I, I hate that. If you're going to do it, you better be able to take it. And you also don't do it after you just gave up a home run and a hit. Yeah. It, it, it just that it really got me down today. Like I've been kind of, I've, I felt depressed the rest of the day after I saw that and saw all the reactions from Reds fans for the last couple of days on that stuff. And it, it just, it, it just gets me down to think about sometimes you see stuff actually every, all the time we see stuff, even not in sports that you feel like, man, just society in general is heading downhill. Like the next, the next chapter of people, are in trouble. And, and like, and I, I think about, cause I don't have any kids and we've talked about this before. And, and I relate it to kids are watching the reds. They're watching Amir Garrett and they're getting excited about Amir Garrett and Nick Castellanos. And, and it's going to be for the wrong reasons like this. It, it, kids are getting into that. It happens all the time. Kids love the NBA. They're doing, they're, they're getting, they're staring people down. They're getting in people's faces. They're doing all these celebrations, staring at, you know, staring at guys after they dunk on them or after they make a shot over them or something like that. It's the, the, the class in sports is like really heading downhill. I just felt a real surge of that today and it really got me down. That's why I became less excited uh, about talking about this. Cause I just, I, I hate, I hate that it's happening and I hate, especially that it's happening with my team, our team. Yep. Yep. So I understand where you're coming from, buddy, uh, and I feel for you, and I and don't want you to feel that way. So I'd like to talk about something that will make you happy right now, okay? <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. Out. All right, go ahead. Okay, no, you tell me. What was it? No, go no, I, I was just because I started to say it, and then I switched gears because I can't collect my thoughts because I'm so worked up. But I, I was going to say, like, we, I started saying, like, kids are seeing this, and they're doing those things because they're seeing pro athletes do them. And that's why it's a problem. And that's why it's a big deal that guys need to stop showboating and like, you know, drawing attention to themselves when they do something good because it, 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 it sends the wrong message. I think, I think you're get you're putting that in, in, in kids' heads and they're taking that into sports and causing, causing problems sometimes. And then it's going to go, you take it into sports. It's going to be part of who you are and you're going to take it into other things in your life too. Um, so anyway, but, but that's what I was going to say. Like, I don't have kids. So I think about other people's kids that I know and that I'm close to us. So I think about your, your son loves basketball, loves baseball. I think about him seeing Amir Garrett 
in, in doing that kind of stuff and getting really excited about Amir Garrett. And he's my favorite player now. And, and he's talking about, he wants, he wants the reds to be known as the cockiest team ever. Uh, Chris, you know what well I said, do Gary. like? Well said, well said. Cheesy well snacks. Said. I like cheesy snacks from time to time. Cause cheese is a good, is a delicious thing. It's a wonderful thing. It makes me, it lifts my spirits. You know what I mean? That's what I need. I need you to have lifted spirits right now because I'm, I'm depressed spirits. right now. I'm lifting my spirits starting right now just for you. Tell me tell me how lifted your spirits are. I want to know the top four, the Mount Rushmore, if you will, of cheesy snacks for Adam Schmidt. Uh, I appreciate you asking. I, I, I wrote these down and I, and I kind of laughed at myself because um, there's a, a clear theme here okay <laughs> so you'll see it right away i think i'd probably have to, this is hard because really I, i'm not much of a savory snack person i'm a you know me i'm a sweet guy oh yeah from morning to night i'm eating sweets um a, a, a scary disgusting thing to most people i'm gonna just share with you right now about me you see this number three it's a it's a three that's how many Penn Station cookies I ate today. <laughs> Two back to back, and then I saved the other one later in the day for dessert. Uh, when I go Penn to Penn Station, Station cookies, that's that's impressive because I've never had three. Because I love Penn Station cookies, I get a Penn Station cookie when I go when I order food. I get a Penn Station cookie and I eat it while I'm sitting there waiting for waiting for my waiting for my Penn station to come through the little oven thing that they got. I'm waiting for my Philly cheesesteak. I eat that. I eat the cookie while I'm sitting there waiting. I would, that's a great idea. A little appetizer. And I mm -hmm. would do that. Um, if I didn't need the sweet after, like I need, after I eat something savory, I need the sweet. Well, apparently after. you buy three at a time. So I, buy three, so I, could both. <laughs> I could do, I could go before and after you're absolutely right about that. Um, here's the, here's the funniest part about that too. I placed an order on, um, on DoorDash for those cookies. You know what else I got from Penn Station with those three cookies? I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that was my full order. My full DoorDash order from Penn Station was three cookies and cricks. We, you, if, you're, if you're a Penn Station cookie lover, you know what I'm talking about here. You get variations. Sometimes you get the maybe never touched an oven at all. It's all dough. Mm. And sometimes you get a little bit extra crispy ones, usually still pretty soft in the middle, but you get a kind of a crispy one. All three of these were pure cookie dough. Oh, you were in heaven. Which is my favorite. I was just <laughs> going to say you were in heaven. Made me feel disgusting afterward, but I loved oh, it. Oh, it's so awesome. Okay. So anyway. That just gives you a little insight into why I've gained 15 pounds uh, during the quarantine. So going into though, sometimes I do like, sometimes I, I'm like, okay, ease up on the sweets. Let's get a little something savory in here. Cause I like that too. I think number one overall for me, cheddar and sour cream ruffles, mm. cheddar and sour cream. Sure. Ruffles. Yeah. Um, I also have white cheddar Cheez-Its. Not the regular, the white cheddar. Good, good. I'm glad you didn't say cheat and go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Also, Caucasian cheddar 
smart food popcorn. You know what I'm talking about? The smart food popcorn. That's on my list. The white. That's chair? on. Yes, that's on sir. my. That's on my Mount Rushmore. You're that good, is on man. my Mount Rushmore. Some of the bet that is might be one of my top two on the top four. I love me some white cheddar smart food popcorn. Yes, sir. And then my last one is cheddar cheese, rounding out the four cheddar uh, Mount Rushmore here. Cheddar cheese pretzel combos. Oh, not the cracker. Nice. You don't have the yeah. not the cheese cracker. The no, cheese it's got to be the pretzel. Got to be the pretzel. Totally understand. Uh, we only have one similar, I had a which is the smart food white cheddar popcorn. Anyone that says Cheez-Its or goldfish can oh. take their cheddar and stick it straight up their nose hair all the way out their right ear because those are the two most disgusting things I've ever put in my mouth. The flavor blast, cheese, Goldfish, phenomenal. But just a regular goat that they, they you can't call that cheese. Not like a, a cheese it that there's no cheese on it. Well, it's all cheese, isn't it? No. It's all cheese. No, it's a flavor. cracker. No, it's a cracker. There's no cheese flavor on there. I can't lick right. that and get cheddar on my tongue. I don't get I don't get orange or white fingers from eating a cheese it. Okay. That doesn't count. That's ridiculous to me. I think Cheez-Its are disgusting. I think they should be taken off this planet. (laughs) That being said, anytime you put cheese with a pretzel is phenomenal. Therefore, Rogo cheese is number two on my list. Number three on my list is the classic. You, you, You have to have a classic, right? You have to have a George Washington. You have to have a nacho cheese Dorito on the list. And last is something new that I just came across. I'm not much of the cheese curl, right? Or the, what, yeah, I think they call them cheese curls, like, like a um, Chester cheetah, not the cheese puff, but the, the harder, small mm-hmm. cheetah, like a regular cheetah, right? Like mm-hmm. a cheetah. Not usually a fan of those. My little friends right here, little friends here at Dots, this is their pretzel, okay? But they now make a cheese curl with the with the cheddar cheese on it and the same seasoning that they use on their pretzels. That, my friend, just made the Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Good find. So that's a brand new thing or it's brand new to you? Brand, I don't know, brand new to me. So maybe brand new thing. Who knows? I don't know how long Dots has been making it, but it's brand new to the city of Cincinnati. I can tell you that. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't ever remember seeing that. Um, you did inspire me because you were eating the rolled gold cheese pretzels last week, and you inspired me. I got some at the store, ate some today. That's delicious. Nice. I agree. I almost put the, the nacho cheese uh, Doritos on there. I think the only reason that didn't make it for me was because I, pref- I so strongly prefer the Cool Ranch. Uh, over those so i i hardly ever eat those the nacho ones or the cheese ones yeah still delicious though if they're if that's the only chip at a party i'm happy uh so yeah i i, I and then we share the the smart yeah, I, feel like, I feel like that was a pretty easy one i feel like that went pretty pretty smooth pretty quick which brings us to uh mr joel McHale, pong yong or pyong yong or whatever it's called 
So I'm going to go first on this. Did he ever say those words? I don't, I don't think so. And they were not in Asia. They were in Sacramento, California. They <laughs> were in San Jose, I think, right? They were San Jose. Where, that's right, San Jose, the Sharks. I should have, oh my gosh, the Blades. How could I forget that? <laughs> yeah. uh, Joe McHale's a little all over the place. I didn't realize his comedy got a little all over the place. Um, this was good. This was, this was really good. I, I liked I liked the special. Um, I only, I cracked up probably like three times where I was, where he got me. I love when a comedian gets me and it just, I go from nothing to hard laughing. That's my favorite. And he got me like three times. Um, he, he was cracking me up with some of that stuff. So um, yeah, I, uh, I'm going to go with a 3.4 on this. Um, the, 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 the different ways that he called his boat driver Guy Fieri and all the different knockoffs of Guy Fieri that he came up with cracked me up. I was laughing at all of those. He, uh, he did, he did a great job, man. I thought, I thought it was a good special. He, he does get a little ahead of himself and he gets a little crazy and gets, a, it seems like he gets ahead of himself. Like he's got some ADHD or something. And he's, he's like, he's got to rein himself in. Uh, if he slows down a little bit, he'd be super funny still, but I thought it was really good. And I like Joel McHale a lot, right? Like I talk soup and, and parks and rec. <laughs> How funny was that? That he said he was in parks and rec for six years and everybody cheered. And then when he talked about a show, he was actually on <laughs> nobody cheered at all. <laughs> yeah. Also reminds me of uh, what was the, what was he on? He was doing an interview and he he realized at one point that the interviewer thought he was Daniel Tosh. Daniel Tosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that was so that good. Was uh, that was good. <laughs> okay, so um, I I thought this was good too. I, we're both fans fans of Joel McHale going into this thing anyway. I thought it was good. Um, I don't think I'd ever seen his stand-up before. He like I like I mean, you said, yeah. he's he's an actor or two, basically. He, he but he's funny. Anything he's bit like, you know, when he when he's on talk shows and stuff like that, he's funny. He's you know, his he's quick witted, he's he's you know, um his improv skills are are good. His stand-up was a little bit uh wasn't quite as good, honestly, as I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, I yeah. and I think part of it was maybe because he was kind of all over the place. It didn't seem like he had, um, I don't know, just his like joke writing from we we talk about that all the time. Just I like a a classic a classically written joke, you know. And uh -huh. it's kind of he's not he doesn't really do that, which is fine. Not everybody does, but um, it was just a little different, and it wasn't quite as fun. I didn't laugh as much as I thought I would. Um, so I, I still, it doesn't change my opinion about him or anything like that, but uh, I gave him a 2.8. Wow. Okay. I almost went three points. I wrote down 3.2, but I said 3.4 because as, <laughs> go ahead. I wrote down 2.9, 2.8, bless you. <laughs> so, um, no, but I did, I started thinking about, I did laugh quite a bit more than I, than I wanted to think that I did. Right. So. I, I bumped him up a little bit more, but yeah, I like I like Joe McHale a lot. He's that dude's a funny dude. He did a good. I thought it was a really good job. So that brings us to next week, mm -hmm. Adam. What is your 
Mount Rushmore going to be? We are going to do the Mount Rushmore of vacation destinations. Whoa. That means this isn't, this isn't where you would want to go. This is vacations. You have been on places you have been, even if it's a, a one or two day little road trip, or if it's a two week long excursion to Europe, whatever it is, places you have been your top four favorite places that you have visited. I like it. I'm totally good with that, man. Top four places. So even if it was just one time, like for a weekend, Mm -hmm. like when we went to the uh, largest snail in the world museum, like I count that. Yeah. Largest snail in the world museum. Yes. And I I'm, expecting that to be on your i don't want to speculate too much but i'm expecting that to be on your list all right that sounds good all right so uh that puts it on me largest snail unsportsmanlike world comedy museum. with rob gronkowski what largest snail in the world museum <laughs> you never been there i um i'm i'm thinking that it's a fictitious place but you said it so yeah. well, so quickly that I was like, <laughs> maybe that is a place. All right. All right. So I need to figure out um, what I want to do. I want to do a relatively new one. Did, have we done Martin Lawrence doing time uncut from last year? I don't think so. I don't think we did. All right. So 2020. Oh, wait. Let me make sure this isn't, this is actually a stand-up special and not something goofy that he did in the past. Um, yeah. Can't do that because uh, the phone's just going to give me the spinning wheel of death. So is it on, is it on Netflix? Uh, no, I'm on Prime, Amazon Prime. I just typed in comedy stand-up. I don't know. Here we go. This will be good. Here we go. <clears throat> 2020 we're getting close i feel like we're getting close to the end of the quarantine days of of the covid days right like we've got vaccines coming out we've got you know all kinds of stuff you go to texas and go watch a rangers game you'll go there with an entirely full packed stadium if you want to steve trevino on amazon prime my life in quarantine Steve Trevino, the grandson of my pick to win the Masters, Lee Trevino. Lee Trevino, that's right, it was. Oh, man, we didn't even get to talk about the Masters. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> I talk about it. I still I still say Justin Thomas. I'm still taking Justin Thomas. Not Dustin Thomas, who I uh, originally took last week, was Dustin <laughs> Thomas. Uh, Dustin Johnson, I believe, is um, – like I think the – so Dustin Thomas it has the – lowest odds of, of or the best odds of winning and justin thomas i believe is third on that list so i just split them and went with dustin thomas <laughs> you're going with a hybrid right i'm going with a hybrid of the two i'm going <laughs> with a dude that looks like he's I'm going with a dude that looks like he's 12 in mr thomas and uh the heater smoking cocaine riding Wayne Gretzky's daughter, Marion, Dustin Johnson on the other side. I don't know who I like more. <laughs> Does he do all those things? 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. After he won, was it the masters last year or whatever he won the, the U S open or something, they got him on the beach, just throwing heaters down. He went to rehab for a little while. Oh yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Likes to party. He's married to Wayne Gretzky's daughter. Wow. Oh boy. Likes to party. She's a beaut. She is a beaut. Uh, the, the, I didn't, I wasn't too familiar with, with Dustin Johnson. I had heard of him before and everything, but I, I, I don't watch much golf. So a guy at work two years ago, uh, came in and he's, he's like, man, you look just like Dustin Johnson. I'm like, okay, I thank you. Or, or yeah, that's something good. else you that's or whatever. Um, you need some really tight golf pants. He's like, yeah, he's like, you know, he's like, you know what I'm talking about? I'm like, I, I, I'm not sure I know what he looks like. I can't think. So he pulls up a picture and he's like, he says something like, you don't even need to know what he looks like. You just need to know what his wife looks like. <laughs> he pulls up a picture. Of, he needs, he Wait. pulls up a picture of his wife. I'm like, okay. I didn't know it was Winner. his daughter though. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know what? Cause, cause Dustin Johnson and um, Aaron Rodgers do kind of look alike. So, I mean, and they both look like you. So yeah, I think you got it in there. You're looking good, bud. Oh man. I would love to be hosting Jeopardy now. How be, great would that be, cool. be? Did you see the guy? uh on jeopardy did you have you seen that um so it was final jeopardy and you know you you gotta they, he asks a question and goes to commercial and they come back and they wrote their answer down everybody writes their answer down and then and so they goes it comes back and he's like all right we're back final jeopardy uh george what's your answer and he goes who wanted to kick the field goal was his is what it said so aaron <laughs> Rodgers had to read that and he started laughing <laughs> started laughing and uh, I thought that was pretty good. So, and he wagered nothing because obviously he knew he was going to get the question wrong. So, yeah. <laughs> I heard about that. I did. I just, I saw like the beginning, like the intro or whatever, the very first part of that show. Um, yeah. But I didn't see any of the other stuff, but I did hear about that. That's funny. Everybody keeps saying like, oh man, he's so good. He, oh my gosh. Yeah, these, these guys that are just good at anything they do. Dude, he sounded horrible. Like there's no Alex Trebek. No, get him out of, get him off of there. I, I feel like, dumb. yeah. Number one, I feel like nobody's going to fill, fill Alex Trebek's shoes. And number no. two, I wouldn't really, not that he's like an idiot or anything, but I wouldn't expect Aaron Rodgers to be like great at that. You know, I, some guys just, Dude, I'm like, going to tell you what, there are some people that I know that if you knew them in their everyday life, you'd be like, Oh my gosh, no chance. But they are some jeopardy nuts and smarter the most minutiae dumb stuff that they'll ever know it's crazy so you'd be surprised on who's who yeah i i watch jeopardy on netflix all the time the only problem is i don't retain any information so it doesn't matter <laughs> so we had a guy that i used to work with that would watch jeopardy every day at lunch and we'd sit in there and he'd just rattle off every answer and we're like, oh my gosh, this is smart. And he was such an idiot. Man, this is the smartest dude we ever met. Holy cow, man, Greg, how'd you do that? How'd you, what? So one night I'm sitting at home and Jeopardy's on. And they're going over all these questions and asking. And I go to lunch the next day. It's the repeat of the night before. He just <laughs> watched it last night. I called his ass out on that so hard. I was like, you're not as smart as you pretend like you are. Just because you do a crossword puzzle and pen doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and now you can watch them all on Netflix so he can go home and watch the same uh -huh. one 50 times. Yep, exactly. <laughs>
Exactly. That's funny. Oh, did that. Lord. Reminds me of, of an episode of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air when they recorded the lotto numbers and in uh trick Jeffrey into thinking that he won the lottery. Yes. And Jeffrey was like, <laughs> like, screw you, screw you. Do this yep. for me. You're my butler yep. now. <laughs> I had to tell him uh that was a VHS yeah, tape. Play it, with you. <laughs> it was probably uh, a Betamax. <laughs> All right. Oh, buddy. All right. But I, well, before we sign off, thank you for cheering me back up. Uh, good work. Yeah. Cheesy snacks will always do it for you, buddy. <laughs> hey, watch the Reds. You're still a Reds fan, all right? I am. You're still a Reds fan. fan. Be a Reds fan. Watch the Reds. Stay off Twitter. Get out of the comments. It's the worst of the worst. Twitter, when whatever you see on Twitter is not what most people think. Just so you know, okay. I I feel I feel like you know. So people talk all the time about how awful Twitter is, and just so many terrible people, and or it's the worst versions, like I said earlier, of people. But I I feel like the people that I mostly follow aren't generally like that. I still see plenty of negativity and, and bad stuff, and I don't read comments that much. Only once in a while, um, but. But everybody just retweeting the videos and stuff from the last couple of days mm-hmm. and getting all excited about things that I don't, I, I think are the wrong things to get excited about are just got me down. But cheesy snacks and Joel McHale and you, uh, I'm, I'm back. So I like to hear. So next week, we're going to do Lee Trevino's son uh, and his special, My Quarantine Life or something like that. Uh, what was the guy's name? Steve? Was Steve, Steve Trevino. Trevino. Yep. Steve Trevino. Uh, check that out. We've got the Mount Rushmore of vacation destinations. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, yeah, and the Reds, hopefully by that time, will be somewhere around uh, 10 and 10 and 1. Yep, I expect so. All right. So, all right. Until then, don't forget to turn your headlights on.